Thanks so much, Pastor Julian, man. I'm so honored to, uh, to share this morning. Um, and I'm really excited about groups. Pastor Julian just mentioned groups. Uh, they're starting March 14th. Uh, and man, I can't think of a better time uh, to join a group than, than now, um, especially as we're social distanced and um, trying to stop the spread. Uh, let's make sure we're not social dis- distancing our relationships. And so uh, I truly believe, man, that life change happens within the context of relationships. So let's join a group March 14th. Cannot wait uh, for groups. Uh, and then also, Pastor Julian, uh, would love to honor you uh, and your wife, Christina. Um, Thank you for saying yes uh, to following Jesus. Um, You know, it's one thing to pastor church, but man, you following Jesus, I'm inspired by your faith. I'm inspired by your by your generosity. Um, I'm inspired by who you are. And so me and my wife, Macy, we are a a byproduct of your faith. So thank you, man, for following Jesus. Thank you, Christina, for following Jesus. Uh, You make him. So much better. Um, uh, we, we're in this awesome series called Unprecedented Faith. And this morning, as I was praying, um, I was really thinking about faith. Um, and I felt like the Lord said, hey, can you just tell them that I love them? Um, and, uh, you know, I think oftentimes faith can, uh, we can think faith uh, is preceded before love. Um, And I think that's the exact opposite. His love precedes our faith. The only way we're allowed to have faith is because of Jesus's love. And so I want to preach a message today on simple faith. We don't need to overcomplicate this thing. We need some simple faith. We're going to be in John chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed up a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. I hate that, man. Jesus is, is, is trolling uh, Philip right now. <laughs> Philip replied, even if we worked for months, Jesus, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy. Put in the chat, young boy, here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men numbered to around 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And underline this if you can. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everybody was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled the 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten the five barley loaves. Let's pray. Jesus, help me get out of the way. 
And Jesus, help me help. We want to see you in a new, fresh way. Give us practical tools uh, for tomorrow so that we can apply faith to our life. We thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. How many of you guys know uh, that small details make a big difference? Right in the chat, small details make a big difference, right? We're all on Zoom. We're all trying to work from home. How many of you guys know that that mute button makes a big <laughs> difference? The other day, uh, I was on a really important meeting, and I unmuted, and I, I said something, and I forgot to mute. And uh, as I was going throughout the Zoom, my wife walked in, and I go, man, I can't wait for this meeting to be over. <laughs> And the moderator goes, you have been muted. Um, I got texts on my phone, hey, bro, like, did you really just say that, right? Small details make a big difference. What about this? Coffee in the morning? So much better when you have coffee. The mornings you don't have coffee, so much worse. It just messes up the tone of your day. Small details make a big difference. This is my favorite. True story. One of my friends... His favorite uh, verse was Psalm 119, verse 19. And he goes, hey, Kyle, I want to get a tap on my chest. Psalm 119, verse 19, right? So he goes to the tattoo parlor. Uh, the tattoo parlor mocks up his tattoo. He approves it. He gets tattooed, giant letters, Psalm 119, 19. He comes home, shows me, and I go, bro, I think they messed it up. Instead of it saying Psalm 119, verse 19, it said Psalm 19, verse 119. Kind of misplaced the colon a little bit. And unfortunately, there is no Bible verse of Psalm 19, verse 119. Now he's got a giant chess piece, Psalm 19, 119. Small details make a big difference. This is a kingdom principle. I love uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Jesus is talking about small details making a big difference. He says, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows into a tree and the birds come and, the birds come and make their nests in its branches. Small details make a big difference. Do you guys know how big a mustard seed is? Cameras, can we zoom in? I got a mustard seed in my hand. Can you zoom in? Zoom in? Just kidding. I didn't actually pull one up, but I got one right here. Um, that's how big a mustard seed is. And the Bible is saying, hey, if you have faith the size of this tiny seed, this faith can go into the ground and produce one of the largest garden plants. This leads me to my main point. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's really simple, but it can be so profound. My main point is this. If you give what you got, God can do a lot. If you give what you got, God can do a lot. So let me ask this question. What do you have? What's in your possession? What marriage are you in? What friendships do you have? If you give what you got, God can do a lot. You see, I love this, this scripture in John chapter 6 because 
Jesus is doing what Jesus does, right? He's uh, healing the sick, um, and he's just doing all these miracles. And it's about supper time, and he's trying to get away, but he can't get away. And as he's uh, trying to get away, he uh, notices that the crowd's following him. Um, and, uh, and he looks to Philip, and he sees this crowd, and he sees their physical condition, and, he, and he's like, hey, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? Hey, Philip, hey, man, how are we going to feed these 5,000 uh, people? And I can only imagine what, what Philip might feel. He's like, I don't know, Jesus. Like, the reason why they're, they're here is because of, of you, right? It's a ridiculous thing to ask. Uh, my first point is this. God might ask you to do something ridiculous. What's your ridiculous? What's that thing you're really insecure about? What's that disability you might have? What's your ridiculous? God might ask you to use something ridiculous. You see, faith is kind of funny because, uh, you know, every time you, you step out in faith, you have to step over fear. And uh, I, I, kind of, uh, I kind of think about faith as a can of paint. For instance, if Pastor Julian was like, hey, Kyle, uh, we got to change the background uh, it's too white. Let's kind of give it some color, right? So like, can you go to the store, get some color, and, and, and paint the background, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Sherwin-Williams, right? <laughs> Buy some paint. What if I just did this? Grab the paint, brought it all the way back here, put the paint right there, and just left it. I said, hey, Pastor Julian, come check it out, man. I painted the back wall. And he comes out, and he sees, and he's like, no, you didn't. You just kept the paint in the bucket. You didn't paint the wall. The value of the paint doesn't come from when the paint's in the bucket. The value of the paint comes when it's taken from the bucket and applied to the wall. The same with our faith. There's no value in our faith if we're like, yeah, I got faith. 2021, I got faith. The value of our faith comes when we actually say, okay, God, I'm going to give you what you got. I'm going to give you my ridiculous, and I'm going to trust you to do something special. God might ask you to do something ridiculous. How many times do we feel like Philip and Jesus is looking at us, and we're looking at Jesus, and we see the crowd, and we feel like, man, this is too ridiculous, God. Like, Why would you call me to do this, right? You feel unqualified. And what I, what I, what I was, was uh, reading in the scripture, man, is I don't want to be like Philip. I don't want my, my feeling of unqualification to stop me from being used by God. You see, later in the story, as the disciples are looking to find somebody to, to use, a young boy comes. And I could only imagine what was going on through this young boy's brain. He was probably walking through the marketplace, grabbed some five loaves, grabbed some two fish, and he's on his way home. And he looks up, and he hears about a guy named Jesus. And in the crowd, people are talking about this guy named Jesus and telling all the miracles that this Jesus guy is doing. And so this young boy probably cr crawling through all the legs of these people, trying to get closer to Jesus. And he's hearing Jesus ask Philip what Philip's going to do. 
And I could only imagine what this young boy was thinking. And he was like, hey, I've got five loaves. I've got two fish. Maybe, maybe you could use this. I mean, I know it's not much. But it's really not that cool either. It's really not that good. But maybe you could use my five loaves and my two fish. My second point is this. If you trust God and you're ridiculous, you might just see the miraculous. What's your ridiculous? If you trust God and you're ridiculous, you might just see the miraculous. What's your five loaves? What's your two fish? Again, is it the family that you're a part of? Is it the school that you go to online? Is it the friends that you have? Is it the career opportunity you just got? If you give what you got, God can do a lot. You see, it's funny um, how uh, oftentimes people that speak on these platforms, they can kind of like give a word and you could hear the word and it's kind of like, yeah, that's awesome. And so another thing to actually uh, um, have the guy on the platform share kind of his, his own personal struggle, his own ridiculous. So I'm going to let you in on my ridiculous. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, I grew up with a, a speech impediment. And you might have heard a little bit of stutters here and there um, as I'm speaking. But uh, as, I, as I was growing up through high school, I remember trying to talk to friends. And uh, right before I could even say a word, uh, I would just get so shocked that I, I, I couldn't say a word. And um, I remember just looking at my friend's eyes and them just feeling a little bit awkward, like, oh, this guy's trying to talk to me, but he can't talk. And, uh, and it, was, it was rough. And then I remember finding out about Jesus, hearing these miraculous signs, and then just hearing the gospel, man, and just thinking, man, this, this news is, is too good to be true. But man, this news is the best news I've ever heard. I've got to share this news. And I remember being like, okay, Jesus, I believe you can heal me. So I'm going to start spreading your news. And I would go up to people trying to share the gospel. And I couldn't. I remember sitting in my car, just like closing my eyes and just being so frustrated because I thought I had the best news ever but I couldn't share it to anybody. And I remember being like, Jesus, why can't you like, just take this away, heal me? Like, it's not even like I'm not trying to build my own kingdom. Like, I'm just trying to share about you. Like, like of course you would want to do this. Um, and man, like, we prayed, and it's gotten a little better. But man, I'm just trusting God in my ridiculous that if he wants to use a guy like me, broken, imperfect, fragile, messed up person like me, I'm going to trust him in my ridiculous and believe that God can do the miraculous. And then last but not least, as I was uh, looking at this scripture, I couldn't shake verse 12, where it said, after everybody was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And as I was looking at this verse, trying to think, okay, God, there's something here. What, what, what's here? 
as I was thinking through it, studying it, uh, one of my old uh, students from D.C. called me. And so I picked up the phone, and uh, some context to this student, his name's James. He's one of the coolest guys uh, you'll ever meet. Uh, but James got dealt a pretty rough hand. Um, he has a really rare blood disorder uh, to the point where he's had surgeries just to increase his life. Um, and so he, he's basically on this regimen where the doctors are like, hey, I don't really know how, how long you got. Um, you're doing good for now. Um, but in the next five years, who knows? So you could only imagine talking to a 16-year-old uh, and telling him that and then being his youth pastor and trying to process with him and pastor him through that. And so he called me up and I was like, what's up, James? Hey, man, how's it going? He just moved to uh, Idaho. Um, sorry, N Nevada. And uh, <laughs> Idaho. Um, Nevada. And I was like, hey, man, how's, it, how's everything going, man? He's like, dude, everything is going good. We just got a house. I'm like, hey, man, like, how's your spirit? And he's like, man, my spirit's good. He's like, um, it's hard, but I know that God's given me this for a purpose. And uh, he wants to use this to inspire others to have faith. And at the end of the day, I know that my life is a speaker to that God doesn't waste faith. And I'm like... Somebody give him the mic, please. Get me off this stage. But as, as I got off the call, I looked back at the scripture, and I'm like, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. God doesn't waste faith. Maybe you're in here today, and you're kind of like James, and you're, 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 you're suffering through an illness, and you've been believing God for healing, and you haven't seen the healing yet. God doesn't waste faith. Maybe you thought your year was 2020 and you thought you were going to have breakthrough. And what really happened was 2020. God doesn't waste faith. Maybe you thought you were going to be over this bondage or the struggle that you've been having for the last 15 years and you're not over it. And you're like, God, why am I not over it? God doesn't waste faith. Faith, just because you can't see it, doesn't mean that God isn't working. Jesus doesn't waste faith. Put in the chat right now, Jesus doesn't waste faith. He's going to use your ridiculous. He's going to use your ridiculous. If you trust God in your ridiculous, you might just see the miraculous. And when it's all said and done, God doesn't waste faith. To close, I was thinking through this message and just thinking about how, how ridiculous uh, it is that Jesus used a young boy and he used five loaves and two fish to do and feed 5,000 people. That's just a ridiculous story. But uh, I, was, I was thinking through the gospel this week and every time I think about the gospel, I'm just blown away at how good Jesus is. Um, and and I, I've been a Christian for uh, coming up on 13 years, and uh, I'm, I'm still blown away at the good news 
of Jesus. And I'm like, man, the gospel is pretty ridiculous, right? Like, the gospel is really ridiculous. Like, God looked upon humanity in their sin, in their brokenness, in their imperfection. And he said, man, I still love them. And he ridiculously sent his son. And he sent his son to a really ridiculous place called Bethlehem. For those of you that don't know where Bethlehem is, it's a really insignificant place. The Kardashians aren't going to Bethlehem. Yeah. So he sent him to Bethlehem to be born. And when he, the savior of the world, was born, he was born next to some animals, some ridiculous animals. And then Jesus was hidden for the next 30 years. And you would think, okay, if the Savior of the world is going to come to, to, to earth to save the world, why would I hide him for 30 years? But Jesus wanted to hide, or, but God wanted to hide him for 30 years. And then once Jesus started his ministries, you would think that he would kind of like pull all the good people, all the people that had all of their, their, their dotted I's and their crossed T's, but no, he actually chose fishermen. And he chose some ridiculous people like Philip. And he chose some ridiculous people like Judas, who would later betray him. And he chose some ridiculous people like Simon Peter. And then as he's doing miracles, he's gaining a following. He would ridiculously leave the following and go into the woods to pray. And then last but not least, Judas, one of his ridiculous disciples, betrayed him, and he went to a cross, a ridiculous cross, and there he hung in between two ridiculous people, two thieves, and uh, he died, and I could only imagine being an onlooker that day and really believing, man, I really thought he was the son of God, I really thought that he was going to save the world, and now, and now that Savior's dead. And then what we all thought was wasted faith, three days later, the resurrection happened. And what looked like wasted faith was not wasted faith. That through the resurrection, Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated shame. He defeated anything and everything that you're dealing with. Jesus has defeated it. And now we could have a life and life more abundantly with him now, not just in heaven, now, and then live with him forever. It's a ridiculous gospel. And what's crazy is I'm a ridiculous person. And yet Jesus loves me. And you're a ridiculous person. And yet Jesus loves you. What's your ridiculous? What's that thing you're losing sleep at night about? What's that thing that really makes you mad? What's that thing that is really frustrating to you? What's your ridiculous? Maybe you should just give it to God and see if he can do a lot. Maybe you should 
trust God in your ridiculous and you might see the miraculous. And God doesn't waste faith. I want to pray for you. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being perfect. Thank you for being good. It only gets better with you, Jesus. It doesn't get worse. It only gets better, Jesus. You might not change our mountain, Jesus, but because we have you, you change the way that we climb it. And so, Jesus, help us today trust you in our ridiculous. The fact that you would want to use us is ridiculous. And so, Jesus, I'm just believing that you want to use us. Help us trust you in our ridiculous and help us see the miraculous. We thank you, Jesus, that you work all things together for our good and you do not waste faith. You're not wasting 2021. You're not wasting that job interview that didn't work out. You're not wasting faith. God, we give you all that we are. Continue to do something new in us so then you can do something new through us. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.